Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am lucky to be alive right now with our guest. Today's guest blasted onto the scene with her perfect turn as Mama Rose in her high school production of Gypsy. She is kind, she's intuitive, and a transcendent performer, but more importantly, she is an incredible friend. Please welcome to the mic, Hannah Cruz. Oh my gosh, Ryan, that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I am blessing very hard over here. (laughs) I felt good as I wrote it. I was like, these are good things. How have you been, my friend? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just uh, hunkered down in Brooklyn. I've been here for most of the pandemic, and I live alone, so I'm like a little crazy but I'm good for the most part yeah that's good yeah I have a couple friends who had literally like just gotten their first I have my own space I live alone and then this started and uh Mm -hmm. more power to y'all because I need I need people yeah I'm definitely an introvert so it's like my alone time is crucial and I never thought I could have too much alone time until all of this hit and now I'm realizing that I do need human connection for me I'd be like I don't know how many times I can repaint my kitchen (laughs) in a year yeah 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 when I hunker down I'm very uh nesting that's my go-to that's good that's a nice I think that's a nice go-to to to have yeah I mean there are definitely more dangerous habits to have yes there are (laughs) (laughs) let's just start from the beginning you are young Hannah Cruz you grew up in Connecticut yes uh uh-huh Grew up in Newtown, Connecticut. Grew up in the same house my whole life. Two sisters. I was a middle. I don't like remember a lot about my early life. It's, it, at times, it feels like it didn't actually happen. 
and then like I watch home videos and I'm like what was I there like was I sentient I don't know I don't I remember none of it and, and I think that's kind of common like a lot of people don't remember their childhood but my sisters will talk about memories and I'm like what are you talking about oh my gosh my sister does the exact same thing she could be like no, Ryan, it was a Tuesday. You were wearing a, a red sweater, like da, da 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 da. And I'm like, I swear that never happened. Yes, exactly. And I, I feel like I'm coming to a time when I I don't know whether some of my memories are memories or if they're dreams. Mm. I, I really don't know. Or like stories that I've heard so often that I'm like, yeah, I guess that happened. Yeah, yeah. And your psyche just makes them into a memory or part of your life. I remember like, I was convinced that I was Drew Barrymore in E.T. Like, I thought that was me growing up. You're like, yeah, that's my first movie. Yeah, I thought that. Like, I truly thought that. Because she looked a little bit like me. And I would have dreams of, like, shooting that scene in the closet. And I was like, yeah, I remember being there. I w- that was me. And I'm in a movie. Like, why, why am I not doing more movies? But that is obviously not true. And maybe I am psychotic. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think that is going to be a wonderful key point to come back to during this podcast. This is like therapy, Ryan. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So you're the middle child. Are all three of you like musical artsy creatives? Not really. I, my little sister did theater with me a bit growing up. And my older sister, she's like more into like the design aspect of things. I think it just became very clear that uh, it was something... I had to be a part of mainly because I was so emotional that it was the only thing that like used that and harnessed it for good rather than like because I would play sports and I would just like god I would get so mad if we were losing I was a terrible sport and I like would play very rough and I would foul out all the time and then I would cry and like this I'm not proud of but um the good game like when everyone's like, good game, good game, good game. I would, I would like spit into my hands if we lost. It was bad. I got in trouble as a youth because I was playing baseball, which I think was my shortest athletic endeavor. But this is a true memory that I do remember. Um, I spit on a kid. I don't really know how or why, but I do remember my mom pulling me out of there. Maybe I'm finding out that's why I went artistically too <laughs> too much violence why not do a musical yeah it helps us with our violent tendencies i'm not gonna spit on someone at a dance call or maybe i will who knows if you catch me at a dance call you never know what's gonna happen <laughs> exactly <laughs> nervous breakdown full nervous breakdown oh lord so was there like music playing in your house a lot growing up yeah my mom loved patsy klein she loved gloria estefan that was like a huge part of my growing up she does not really like Barbara Streisand, which I still am angry with her uh, to this day. I don't understand why she doesn't like her. She's perfect. It's a strange choice, but okay. Right? And my her brother, my Uncle Johnny, is in a band in New Orleans, and he's a bass player, and he's in musical his whole life. And her growing up around that, I think. I think, and she sang in a band, I think, too, when she was a kid, like a teenager. So she always really loved music and loved to sing. So I think when I started singing, it was it, it was a happy thing for her to see it passed on. You and your mom look so alike. We do. We really. The older I get and the shorter I cut my hair, the more we look alike. <laughs> You're like, oh, maybe if I just take another inch off, it will be my mom. Jackie Cruz. 
What was your first musical? Um, uh, like in preschool, I think we did like Stone Soup or something, which I thought was not real. But then I talked to someone else and they were like, oh, yeah, I did that as a kid, too. So that was real. And then I remember doing like Three Little Pigs. And I was, what well, was that? A mu- I think there was music in that. And I was like the narrator. And I just remember, because I loved to read. Like, I just loved it so I loved it. I would go to friends' houses and read all their books, and they'd be like, uh, do you want to play? And I'm like, no. And I was just happy I got to read during that show, and so that was really great. But, like, the first musical musical I did was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, in middle school. And, you know, like, when you're in school, people make up roles so everyone can be included. I was the redheaded girl that Charlie Brown has a crush on, and they just put, like, a really bad, like, Halloween party stop red wig on me and sat me on the edge of the stage the whole show. I didn't say a word. I just sat there. And you learned discipline, I guess. I did. I really did. And just how to make like still moments really interesting, you know? Really fill the space (laughs) with your focus. Nuance. I was always and still am so jealous of anybody who got literally any sort of wig in a uh, youth production of things. Because my high school go-to was to make us get like dramatic and probably traumatic haircuts. No, really? It's shocking. I remember like for Into the Woods, they made my best friend Trevor, who played Jack, they made him get like an orange bowl cut. What? For like the the one line that passes in Into the Woods that like kind of says Jack is a redhead. Oh my, they, what? How is that allowed? And then when we did Grease, everyone's favorite show for high schoolers, <laughs> of course, my friend who played Sandy had to be blonde and she was a deep brunette. Oh my God. I hope her hair is fine now. I wish her well. And then for mine, because I was one of the T-Birds, boys with hair like mine, which is very curly and coarse, did not have the DA haircut back in the 50s. And at one point it was thrown around that I might have to like chemically straighten my hair. What the hell? And thank God my mom was like, no. Yeah, I'm surprised more parents were like, what? No, get away from my child. <laughs> like, stop ruining these children. But yeah, so a wig sounds heavenly. Even a little Party City red wig. Damn, that is crazy. It's a little nuts. So you were just smitten with the theater? Yeah, I don't know what it was about it. I think when I was a kid, I really wanted attention. Like, I love to, like, you know, I feel like this is what every freaking theater person says, so it's not, it's very cliche, but, like, you know, I put on, like, little shows and stuff. But I, I just wanted people to, like, look at me and see me. Now, so much, that's, like, the opposite of what I want, which is strange. And at first, I was only, like, put in, like, the back and the ensemble and all that stuff, and I would just sing as loud as I could. And my dad always said, like, I would always find my way to the front. Like, I would push my way up to the front, no matter what it took. Picturing you, like, with a cigarette in rehearsal for some reason, being like, yeah, yeah, you can put me in the back. (laughs) A cigarette embraces. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't, I would not like myself if I, as an adult, met myself as a kid, I don't think. I don't think I would have liked myself. I wasn't very nice. Mm. But I think, you know, with all the hormones and all that crazy, can I, am I allowed to swear? No, oh, yeah. Okay, all those hormones and all that crazy shit. I just feel like, I feel like we're all kind of monsters at that age anyway. Yeah, it's like hard. People are like, look back at your younger self and talk to them. And I'm like, you made it. Good job. You're alive. Good job. That shit's hard. 
So you mentioned that you like to read and you did theater a lot. And one of the things that I've always, I don't know, I feel like talking to you feels like I'm talking to someone who's been on this earth forever. Like you have like this very deep connection to your emotions. Has that like always been a thing that's been accessible to you? That's very nice. Um, I, my therapist says the same thing. So <laughs> <laughs> This is, I am your therapist. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's ever been something I've been super aware of. I I find now, as, as we have all the time to reflect and, and think about ourselves and our lives, I think I've always like longed to find someone who thinks like I do and who feels similarly to the way, like about the world and about like big, big parts of our society that dictate like everything that we do. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to find that connection and it, and it gets kind of frustrating bumping my head against a wall trying to find it with people. And I, and I think that I've never, it's hard for me to feel like very deeply connected to someone. And I think that I knew that growing up, but I didn't know how to, like I didn't know how to speak to it. And now as an adult, I, I'm finally finding the words to somehow speak on it eloquently, as, as eloquently as I can. But I did, I do, I, I always felt kind of separate from people. But I would try, I would try really hard to like be a part of the group. And it worked for a while, but it's, I think it's why now I, I really can't be in groups with people anymore. I just, it's, it's way too overwhelming for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's why, and we have to talk about it because it is my favorite thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But your Rose's turn is what it is because I truly believe that somewhere in your body and soul, you have lived that entire life <laughs> at 17. Yeah, I, yeah, that, um, I think it's about 10 years since that came out. And so I, I've been thinking about it more recently than I have uh, in a long time. And I think, like that was the first time I ever like fully got lost in something like blacked out, didn't really remember who I was. And it's like this weird high. That's like the most addicting high in the world, I think. And it's when I was like, Oh, I, I need to do, I have to do this. And I didn't experience that feeling again. I feel like I've been chasing it and I haven't experienced it again until Hamilton. And it's so just to like completely lose yourself in something and your physicality changes. And I don't know how to, like, I'm not technical enough to understand how to get there yet. And also how to do it healthily, which is another thing that I, I don't get yet. But it's, it's like fucking intoxicating. Like you look out into the audience and you can't see anything, but just like this like carpet of blackness. And you're, you're entirely alone but you also are very aware that you're being watched and, and it's safe somehow. Oh, I have chills. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean that I miss that feeling more than, more than anything, more than anything, really. It's truly, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you're a fool, but go check it out. <laughs> and I just think it's such an interesting touching point in your career. Cause it kind of, it sprung you onto this, I guess now considered non-traditional path to get to where you are because you you didn't go through 
a college BFA program. Was it just like that moment was so rich that you just knew you were meant to start? Because for me, I always like, I, I had this thing where I felt like I needed to like climb a ladder in like a certain series of steps and college was just like on that space. And so I just never gave myself the permission to, I guess, just fly out the gate. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think if it was more widely accepted that college does not have to be like the next step for everyone, because I, I, I don't think at 18, we're really equipped to make a decision like that. I wish I won at 26. Yeah, exactly. Like if I went to school now, which I don't I always say maybe I will. I probably won't, but maybe I will. Who knows? Life is long. Yeah, I would be way more engaged and present and, uh, and understand what I was learning about. I, you know, I auditioned at 10 musical theater schools. I got into one. I got into Ithaca. I was like, I had such a boner for CCM. I wanted to go there so badly and it crushed me when I got rejected but I also did you audition for CCM no so I I don't know why I let this happen because it just shaped your entire life but because of the dates of my senior year production of Into the Woods I couldn't go to like the unified auditions that they do in like Chicago oh what so I just accepted that that was it so I didn't like audition at any of like the quote-unquote big name schools I only auditioned at um, University of Northern Colorado and Millican where I ended up going so yeah when I think back I'm like what like why why did you you're already putting a barrier on yourself of like well I can't reach quote-unquote big school I might as well go somewhere else as if like that's a thing but I do understand the CCM boner (laughs) Yeah, they had like a packet go out around audition time. This is circled Instagram, so it's not like a new a new revelation, but it was like take a take a very honest look at yourself in the mirror and find like your problem areas and what you need to change and maybe next time don't get a Big Mac get a salad or something. And that was traumatizing. Absolutely. And I remember thinking, I thought about that all the time. And I feel like we all had disordered eating growing up. I just feel like that's a normal thing, especially for theater kids. But that definitely did not help. So, uh, yeah, auditioned at all the schools. I remember feeling at the auditions, like, like I want this to be for me so bad. I, I Like, I was obsessed with all those, that Michigan class that put out all those videos, like Jake Wilson and Andrew. And I was obsessed with them. And I wanted that to be my life so badly. But I, I've never felt like at home in the world of academia, even if it's a musical theater major. I just don't feel right in those situations. I don't, and I don't think I would have thrived if I went. I think I probably would have had a nervous breakdown. So I got into Ithaca. I like sent in my deposit. I was like all ready to go. I also got into Emerson for acting, which was interesting to me. Not musical theater, but acting, which, okay, sure. Which now I would rather, but whatever. <laughs> And then Joy doing casting, found the video, asked me to come in for Legally Blonde. And my mom took me to the audition. We were late because she let me sleep in. So I like walked into Pearl. And if anyone remembers what those auditions were like, they were fucking madness. Like madness. (laughs) It was insane. And I had never really been to an audition before. I I went to the open call for Spider-Man and for Spring Awakening, but that was the, that was the extent. And I remember like the monitor being like, oh my God, are you Hannah? We've been waiting for you to fucking go in the room. (laughs) Um, 
And like, I don't know what I did. I don't, I can't believe they gave that thing to me, man. I'm very grateful that they did, but I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And Joy came out and asked my mom if I could come back tomorrow. And my mom was like, no, she has school. And I was like, mom, shut up. Yes, I'll be here. <laughs> and so I did. I snuck out of school the next day with my best friend, JD, and we went to the city. And I think, I think it was only that one callback. I think, I don't think I had to go to a dance call or anything, which again, like, you're trusting a lot to an 18 year old and I got it I got the call I was at John's Pizza and I got the call that I got it but before I got the call that I got it I got a call from an agency KSR which is now KMR who I'm currently with they called me and they were like hey do you need an agent and I was like what yes I thought an agent meant like you had a career and you were like set and so every year for Christmas for my whole young adult life I would write on my Christmas list I wanted an agent (laughs) Because I, I just thought, like, you could just go get one. Yeah, you're like, I was in E.T. I don't know why. <laughs> Where is my representation? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they called me, and I was like, sure, I'll have an agent. And then they were like, great, you got the job. And I also, I think I remember Joy doing, like, pulling me aside and sitting in a room with me and being like, are you ready for this? And I was like, yeah, hello, of course I am, not knowing anything. And yeah, I, I'm very grateful that they did that for me. And, and, the, and the tour was hard, especially because it was a non-exotic national and we had, it felt like it was only one-nighters. And at the time I was like, you know, I was a child. So I was like, this is great. Yeah. I would, ne- now I, w- I could never do that. And I was also getting paid like $500 a week. And I thought that was incredible. Yeah, at the time you're like, I am doing the whole damn thing yeah I had never had my own money but then I found out that I'm just gonna spill all the tea because who cares but then I found out that the Warner was making like twice as much as me and I was like how what the hell and they they totally screwed me because I was a child and they could get away with it and a hundred percent it's fine now I I don't know I think it's a good thing that everyone knows what everyone else is making so no one's getting screwed over we can only benefit from that the only reason that you don't share is to benefit the people who are paying. Exactly. Exactly. I've come home and done a few shows in the Portland area over the years. And each time I do, I'm just so shocked. Why are we hiding this from each other? We're just allowing people to pay pennies for us doing what is the best thing we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And like actually what we do for a living. It's not like you're not doing me a favor to like let me be a part of this production and it's a job as young professionals that's what we think we're like oh my god I can't believe we have this opportunity and I and I don't discount the opportunity side of it but also it's a fucking job it's a job and it's what you do for a living so respect that you're hashtag blessed and hashtag grateful and hashtag pay me what you owe me you can be multiple things thank you it's not black and white definitely not so you legally blonde it Uh uh-huh and then I meet you post Legally Blonde, kind of like, I would say, in a little bit of an in-between. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when we met. I I just distinctly remember being in that apartment on the Upper West Side. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. And you guys were, like, wearing my Legally Blonde swag. I remember that really well. <laughs> and just being there all of a sudden, like, a lot. Yeah. And uh-huh. really, our other friend, Sean Doherty, who I'm sure is how we ended up meeting each other. Yeah, I think so. Talks about this with you all the time where you just have this, for the people that you want to invite in, I'm sure, 
you have this depth of friendship that just like it's intoxicating just to be around besides all your wonderful like professional things it, I just remember that time in my life which could have been a month or could have been three years I honestly can't tell you <laughs> just being full of like a lot of warmth and love and mutual belief that the three of us were gonna do this and this was gonna happen yeah yeah absolutely yeah I remember that too. I remember it very well. I remember sitting on my bed with Sean. I don't remember how this happened. We drank a lot of whiskey back then, I think. But we were like trying to make up a theme song to this potion seller bit. And you (laughs) were sitting with Mackenzie, right? On the couch. Yeah. And and then Sean and I totally just like brain hemorrhaging that that was the seventh heaven theme song that we thought we had created we were so proud we're like we wrote a song and it's hilarious and we were like this is seventh heaven it's seventh potion seller oh my god yeah that was incredible so it makes me laugh what a dream and then you kicked it right off again oh what was that beautiful show you did <laughs> Uh, both of a Broadway, the one no one knows. Yes, yes, <laughs> that one that has the song that only you sing in my mind. <laughs> that show, I mean, I wish that it had a better life, but you know, Woody Allen's attached to it, so do with that what you will. But um, it's such a good fucking show, man. The whole bootleg is on YouTube, which is crazy to me. Don't take it off. But I need to like remind myself that I have worked. I like to watch that. Okay. And the dancing is so incredible. Like Susan Stroman, it's so good. It's so good. And that show was a blast, mainly because I was like more of an adult. I knew myself better. We were treated better because it was the first national. The people on it were really incredible and made some friends that I still have today. You know, being on stage for like 15 minutes and like singing the good songs, you're not like as vocally tired. You get a lot of the glory without having to do a lot of the work. (laughs) The one thing was they made me do every press event, like every single one, because for some reason, like that song was the press song. So that was kind of a pain in the ass having to get up early and sing that song. And now I don't think I could do it. But again, I was I was still quite young and my chords were fresh and ready. Yeah. As to now they're like string cheese. But um <laughs> Yeah, that show was a blast. It was it was a joy to do. I wish I appreciated more how much easier it is to do a comedy than it is to do a drama. You're just not depressed every minute. Um and there's just so much joy. There's so much joy. I, I, I miss that show a lot, actually. Well, it's like whenever, whatever your job may be, if you can come to work and it's a fun experience, it makes it that much sweeter. It's like both of us have also worked in the service industry from time to time. And like mm-hmm. when you show up and your coworker is miserable, you're like very aware of all the things that are bad about this. When you show yep. up and the music's fun and your coworker's great, you're like, I could potentially do this job for years and not care. Yeah. 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 You're very right. Yeah. I think that applies to theater as well. It's just like really the people around you. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then you get to the lady, Liza. (laughs) Oh, Liza. Yeah. And how was, I mean, like, is this your first like huge thing? How, how did you swallow that? Like what, what was that like? It was so out of the blue it was so out of the blue I uh at the time was with well okay so I was with clear talent who sorry I'm just gonna I'm gonna 
drag everybody. Spill it. They told me they could never get me an audition. So my mother is Puerto Rican. I am very white passing. My sisters both look a lot more Hispanic than I do. And I changed my name to Cruz to for my mom's maiden name, hoping that it would like maybe like make them see that I am half Puerto Rican and they were clear talent was like, no, we can't get you an audition. I was like, great. So I'm not going to try anymore. And then I moved to California and uh, was doing Elsa at the Frozen show there. And I was, I changed, oh no, I wasn't with anyone. I was just with my managers at the time. And they got me a self-tape for it. And it was for Eliza. And I was like, I mean, I never thought I'd be Eliza. I thought if anything, I'd be Peggy Mariah. I never that was never on my radar. Um, and I also thought like, okay, like this is a huge blockbuster show. I'm going to like start my journey with this, but like, you know, I'm, I've been in for wicked like 15 times. So I, I was going to say, it's like, it's like the wicked list where you're like, okay, are you just calling in to see if I still live here? Like, am I still? Exactly. So I, I was like, okay, this is like my first drop in the bucket. It's going to be a long time till I fill the bucket. Fine. So I did the self-tape, I, then I did a work session in LA, then they flew me to New York for one callback and flew me back for another callback and got me a ticket to see the show, which is great. And I remember watching it and being like, oh God, I, I don't know if I can, this is hard. This is going to be hard as hell. But also like, maybe I can do it. I need a challenge. I've been waiting for a challenge for years. So maybe I could do this. So I got it, which was insane to me. And I don't think it really set in until I was like on stage the first, my first show. I Like it really didn't set in for me that it was real, even like in the costume fittings and, and the put in and all that until like you hear the dun, 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 and you go on stage. It's, it's insanity to be a part of that musical. And it just kind of like, goes like there's no no there's no stopping it 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 just starts like um my friend julius who's hamilton in san francisco oh yeah yeah yeah. just talking to him about it he's like yeah it just it is it ends up being so in your bones from that first bump it that it just flies i feel like i would literally start the show and having done all the rehearsals been like oh i'm not just singing along with the album yeah 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 Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's a, it's a fucking beast. That show is a beast. It never stops moving. It's so hard vocally, physically, mentally. It's like an actual marathon. And I hope that one of the big things that I, like, I really hated about being on tour with it was that they made us do five show weekends. And I think that's fucking inhumane, um, especially to have a Saturday night 8 p.m. show and then a 1 p.m. Sunday. That turnaround is and I remember talking to my ENT about it and she was like, you're like, your adrenal glands don't have time to recover. So that like is actually dangerous for singing. And I hope that, I don't know, there's talk of them doing away with that on the tours. And I hope that they do that for the sake of everyone. Cause they don't do that on Broadway. They don't have to do five show weekends on Broadway. Oh, that's true. It must just be like, people want it. But yeah, that sounds brutal, but I'm sure there was some beauty you found in, I mean, I found some. I found some bootlegs. Don't take them down. I like to watch them when I like to um, feel. <laughs> but it's just it's just astounding to me to watch you do this because it's it's like when you you're just someone that is meant to be doing this, and it's yeah it's just incredible to to be able to watch and be like that's my friend. 
Wait, you have you've seen bootlegs? Have I sent them to wait? Uh no, I mean I've been like, hey, Hannah Cruz burn, and it's like a photo of somebody else uh, audio mm-hmm. of you, and then I just imagine. <laughs> because I I I kind of wish there was a bootleg of my show, but I don't think that there is. But maybe there is out there. Come on, kids on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> Remind me that it really happened because sometimes I feel like it never happened. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because it was like so brutal that it was basically like I guess it, you kind of have to become a monk. Oh yeah, did nothing. Did absolutely nothing. Couldn't really like talk. Yeah, it was it was the traveling is just like a whole other uh, obstacle on top of everything. And while I do love touring, it's just so fucking hard on your body and your voice to change. We didn't change like we sat places for quite a while, which was great. But still, the whole and you know having your life in two suitcases and it's it's it gets old. But it also you can get complacent in it strangely. It's a lot, and you're like, oh, this is just what life is. But it's just it's not. It's really not. So I have to ask you the um, titular question of the podcast, as we've kind of taken a little tour around your upbringing. Why are you why are you like this? Oh, why am I like this? Um, I think it's a strange dichotomy of both wanting to, like, wanting attention and wanting validation, and also wanting complete isolation, (laughs) and trying to, like, reconcile those two and how they fit together. A big thing for me also is, like, I need, I need people to remind me that I'm like real (laughs) sometimes especially when I'm alone so much in my apartment like am I a real like do I exist it sounds like existential and stupid but it's no it's very I mean it doesn't sound stupid at all but it's very like if a tree falls does it make a sound if I don't see a single person am I am I real am I a person yeah and I think social media both helps and hinders that um cause, like you can post and be like hey remember me like I'm still a person but it's like am I like this is this isn't real this isn't tangible so uh, does, does it really I don't know does it reflect anything real or or not I don't know social media is my worst nightmare recently it's the worst thing in the world yeah but I still fucking am on it all the time I I don't know well what else are we gonna do exactly exactly uh well, I, I think it's that that dichotomy of wanting to be looked at and wanting to be alone. I mean, you can just trace that through your resume, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the things that jump out, the performances that stick with you are, are those those people that have that in them. And I think a lot of people have that in them. I think a lot of performers have that in them. I think it's kind of a common misconception that because you are a performer in some way, you are constantly the light of the room and you're constantly mm-hmm. the show. Um, and if you are, that's tiring. And if you're not, like, it's also tiring. So it's like, just being hu- human is a lot. It's, it's exhausting. Existing is exhausting. And yeah, the, the whole thing, just to speak to, like, people's expectations of you as a performer, especially people who are not performers, like, uh, sometimes we go to, like, my uncle's band's shows, and my mom's always like, go up and sing. And I'm like, no. Like, I'm here to, like, enjoy this. I, I'm off the clock. I, no. <laughs> and 
I don't want, like, it's not like dance monkey dance, you know? And it, especially like when you get older and, and you've been doing this for a long time, it's, it's not that I have less joy for it. It's just that when it is your work, it's not like I have to be someone outside of that. It can't be all that I am is what I do. So I don't want to like, I can't just like turn it on at any time. That's just not how I, I operate. Maybe other people operate differently, but I I don't want to sing for, I just don't, especially, I mean, lately singing has kind of lost all its joy for me. So sometimes I'll have like a rare day where I'm like, oh, I feel like singing, but most of the time I, I dread it. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've developed from a very young age a um, hatred slash fear of karaoke. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, based around this concept because <laughs> I wish a lot of times I wish that I had the option of turning my brain off and doing what everyone else seems to really enjoy which is drinking and screaming a song <laughs> yeah but all I'm acutely aware of is either the damage I'm putting on my voice or am I crushing this I'm not really crushing this yeah yeah there's definitely somebody in this room who thinks I'm talented but now doesn't or everyone else is more talented than me and are laughing because I think I'm talented like it, oh, it's this God. twisted game it's horrible I know exactly what you're talking about Ugh. and it's like I don't really hear about you know surgeons going out and doing like a fun night of more surgery <laughs> like uh, do an appendectomy go yeah for like fun <laughs> only on Grey's Anatomy yeah <laughs> um well I hope you find some joy in singing again uh, soon I mean it's it's hard right now so it's like don't judge don't judge anything yeah. don't judge your body where it's at where your voice where it's at we're alive and uh that's a lot yeah yeah it is it is well as we are getting towards the end of our time together, I ask this of every one of my guests. Do you have any questions for me? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it can be whatever. <laughs> what's, okay, this is my, what's your greatest regret? Um, my greatest regret is... My greatest regret is my relationship with alcohol from the age 24 to 26. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're sober now, right? I am, yeah. That's amazing. Um, I still, like, smoke weed and do other <laughs> things from time to time. But alcohol and I just, like, I don't know. It was just maybe we'll come back. I've never said that. I'll be sober forever yeah because um, like, everybody's life is their own life and I feel like when you make a statement like I'm sober um there comes this feeling that like you have to uphold that forever for other people and it's like no this is your life mm -hmm. do what you want mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but for me just like this year and some change of no alcohol has been amazing that's wonderful um, Especially because, like, a lot of things in New York are kind of centered around alcohol. And yep, yeah. I was having the time of my life working at a whiskey bar um, where I've made some incredible friends and had a great experience, but it was just like too accessible to me. Yep. And so, yeah. yeah, I just didn't handle that well. And 
the I guess the child anger I had in sports comes back when I drink. So yeah, I get that. But it's very. I mean, I commend you for taking a step back and looking at it and changing something. That's hard to do, and it's a very adult thing to do. Thank you. I feel very grown up as I sit in my parents' house. <laughs> It's a balance. It's a balance. It's a balance, you know, it's work life balance. <laughs> well, Hannah, this has been a delightful conversation. Yeah, I, I needed this. Thank you. Yeah, I feel very, I feel very comforted. <laughs> good, good. Hearing your story, I hope you do too. I hope whoever listens to this also feels that way. Yeah. Where can the, where can the children find you? Oh, children. Mm. Um, this is Hannah Cruz on Instagram. Uh, hey, Hannah Cruz on Twitter. And that, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, if you, again, haven't, look her up doing Gypsy. <laughs> look up her bootleg of Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, feel some <laughs> joy. Uh, just thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ryan. All righty. Till next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 